And so let's join together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word uh, in this new year, uh, with a real openness to your, what you want us to do in 2022, uh, we pray that your spirit will seed dreams of hope and what you want us to do. May we hear your will and grow fully mature in our faith. May Jesus be more real to us through Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning we're going to kickstart the year off with a focus on prayer. Last year we started the year with a focus on read a psalm a day and pray a psalm a day. And the idea is that by reading out loud and praying a psalm a day would enrich our devotional times with Jesus. And I certainly got a lot out of it and are continuing the practice. This year we have a bit of a broader focus on prayer. That will be the backdrop of what we do in the church. Ryan's organising a a prayer course that we'll offer in Term 1, similar to Alpha in format, where we'll gather for an evening and there'll be some teaching and some practice and group work on prayer. So I'm very excited about that, to raise the level of prayer in this place. And so help focus our thoughts on prayer, we're going to look at a passage in Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. And verse 2, and you'll have that in front of you or in the Bible on your phone or hard copy. And so let's have a look at that key verse for this morning. Chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Short, pithy and practical, this will be our focus this morning. Now, I'm always on the lookout for stories to, or illustrations to help me with prayer. And they can either be testimonies. I love to hear stories of people who have prayed and God's come through, even if it's been in a very surprising way. Or illustrations that help us understand prayer. And, of course, Jesus was the master at this. And you may be familiar with this illustration here that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7. From, chapter, from verse 9. Can we have that on the screen? It just seems to have stopped for a moment. Thanks, Peter. That's better. And this is Jesus' words. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It's very short, isn't it? Very short illustration to remind us that when Christians pray, we are like a child, a daughter or a son, asking our father for something. And we're not asking him for something extravagant. We're asking our Heavenly Father for needs, for, for food. And just like there's that lovely relationship between a child and a father, so is there with our Heavenly Father. What a wonderful illustration, a filter, as it were, to help us in prayer. Now, there are many other illustrations. I stumbled across one last week, and I've just been rolling this around in my mind, and it's really helped me have a little focus on prayer, quite a different angle. So let me share the story that I found very helpful for my own prayer life. Uh, Back in November 1946, a small single-engined aircraft took off from an airstrip in the United States. In it was a scientist and three kilograms of dry ice. Now, why would anyone want to do this? Well, for many months, Vincent Schaefer had been carrying out experiments in an industrial size freezer. There he would make artificial clouds. And then he would seed these artificial clouds with chemicals to try and make them condense and produce rain. And he tried many things until he stumbled across dry ice. 
And he found that in the lab, that if he put dry ice into these artificial clouds, they would condense and they would form rain, little water droplets. Would this work? <laughs> would this work in real life, though? And so that's why he's in the single-engine plane, flying high up into sort of um, sub-zero temperatures in a cumulus cloud that was throwing and bashing him about. And so this dry ice went out. And then about uh, 20 minutes later, it started to rain, and it rained heavily. And people on the ground said that it was like the cloud exploded and the rain could be seen from over 40 kilometres away. There's a photo taken just a few years later, a couple of years later in the early 50s of a cloud that had been seeded and then 20 minutes later it was producing rain. Seeding the clouds was born. Now, of course, this is not original. This goes back as far as Elijah. I'm sure you know the story. There was a drought, three and a half years, and Elijah seeded the clouds. But he seeded the clouds not with dry ice, he seeded the clouds with prayer. Let's pick up the story in 1 Kings 18. And we read this. On top of Mount Carmel, you may know the story, there's been this confrontation between the prophets of Baal and, and, uh, and Elijah. And, and God has, has brought down flames on the sacrifice to prove that Yahweh is the God of Israel, not the prophets of Baal. And there's still this drought. So Elijah takes himself aside and we read in 1 Kings 18, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and go back and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And the servant went and looked up. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is raising from the sea. Now Elijah gets involved in, in the drama but then we're told, in verse 45, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started to fall. So what's my point? One way to look at prayer is that when we pray, we are seeding clouds. The possibility, the possibility of abundant blessing from God's hand Seeding clouds in prayer is all about imagining a better future, a better future where God's blessings flow down into our lives, into the lives of loved ones. And I've found that a wonderful image to think about when I'm praying. When I'm praying, I'm seeding the clouds for God's blessings. And so when we run this story against our Colossians 4.2 verse, what do we end up with? So our key verse is, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Well, how did Elijah do that as he was seeding the clouds? Was Elijah devoted, watchful and thankful? Well, Elijah was certainly devoted to prayer, wasn't he? Devotion carries with it the idea of perseverance, persistence, trying more than once. Six times Elijah prayed and got a no for an answer. No, there was no rain. But he persistently devoted himself to prayer until the seventh time the answer came. So he was devoted to prayer. Was Elijah watchful in prayer? Well, yes, he was, very watchful. He even got a servant to go out and see, is the answer at the doorstep? Is the answer there? Oh, he was very, very watchful. What about thankful? Well, actually, the text doesn't say. 
And one of the reasons it doesn't say, because if you know the story, um, the drama hasn't finished. Elijah uh, gets carried up. Uh, Ahab, the wicked king, makes his way back to the city. Elijah does uh, a super-fast marathon and beats him there. And there's all sorts of drama unfolds. And so the, the narrative picks up pace after this. And so we don't physically see Elijah giving thanks. But I think it's reasonable to imagine that after three and a half years of drought, three and a half years of Elijah on the run, that when that answer to prayer came through, Elijah was very, very thankful. And so Elijah praying on the mountain and the idea of prayer as setting God's blessing is a good place to start as we explore more of the Colossians passage. And we'll dig a little bit deeper into that letter written by Paul. Uh, So what's the background? Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae and as he often did in his letters, He finishes off with some very practical instructions and final greetings. And this is where chapter 4, verse 2 fits in. And we'll pick up that in the next couple of verses. Chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Verse 3. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now notice here how Paul moves from the general to something quite specific. He says, devote yourself to prayer, be watchful and thankful, and it's all a real bit theoretical, isn't it? It's all a bit abstract. And so he says, right now, I want you to put that in practice, I want you to pray for something. You can pray for anything in this way, but at the moment, I want you to pray for evangelism. I want you to pray for for me and my team I want you to be devoted in prayer, thankful in prayer, watchful in prayer for me and my team in evangelism in two areas, that the door may be open for us to share Jesus and that we may do it clearly. See, Paul, forever the teacher. This is the theory. This is the practice. And in a moment, he's going to give us a case study, but I get a bit ahead of myself at the moment. And so let's just pause for a moment and consider how we can seed the cloud when it comes to evangelism. We can seed the cloud in a wonderful life-giving way in this area by persistently, patiently, earnestly open, uh, pray that God will open the door for us to share about Jesus. And then when we do, we will have the words to speak about Jesus clearly. Imagine if everybody listening to this message did that for a week. Imagine if each one of us, every morning or evening, whenever you have your prayer, we say, say, Lord, we pray that you will open the door for me to share about Jesus and help me to do it clearly. And we did that in a way that was devotedly, watchfully, and thankfully. Just imagine the doors that will open up over the next few days or the next few weeks. And that is what is Seeding the clouds. We're imagining a better future. We're imagining that the dry lands will receive water, the rain. And Paul is giving us a practical example. And some of us are thinking, I could never do this. I'm scared witless at the thought of sharing Jesus. I haven't got the courage. This is a very scary prayer. And I suppose it is. Uh, But it must have been scary for Vincent Schaefer as well. (laughs) 
Here he was jumping in a plane, and he, he, had, he had an audience. <laughs> there were people watching him. A number of people from his work and around were watching him. He was putting his reputation on the line. He could have flown in in that cloud, dumped some dry ice, and it could have come back perfectly dry. But he put his reputation on the risk because he thought that was important. And it was also physically a little bit on the dangerous side too because he would have flown up in that single-engine plane and that cloud at sub-zero temperatures. You've got to be pretty high. Imagine the dry ice, sliding open the door, bumping around, pushing the dry ice down. It's pretty scary. Now, I don't know the details of how it was, but he was brave, put his reputation on the line, physically put him in a situation where it could not work, but he did it. Now, if someone's going to do that for something secular, very worthy, how about of us, Christians, who could do that when it has eternal consequences? How much more can we put our reputation on the line, risk being rejected, by sharing Jesus. And so, even if it's a scary prayer, I pray that you will ask God to open a door and give you words clearly to share Jesus. Pray for us. I'll just read that verse again, that passage again. And, uh, <clears throat> and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And, and so we have our missionaries overseas. The potters are just back, but we have the Muirs in Zambia and we, we have the Hansons in Hungary. So we pray for them that there will be an open door to share Jesus and they will clearly communicate the gospel. But we also pray it for us, ourselves as well. And we do this with a sense of devotion, watching, watching for the answered prayer, watching for that opportunity to talk to someone on the campsite next to us or a family member or a colleague at work. We're watching and we're already thanking God in our heart for the answered prayer. Devoted, watching, thanking. Now Paul's laid a solid foundation for prayer here. He's given us three principles and a specific example to go away and work on. But thirdly, he's going to give us a case study, an example to encourage us and inspire us. And he does that a few verses later on uh, with a chap called Epaphras. Now, who's Epaphras? Well, he's a local boy. He's a boy from Colossians or Colossae. And anyway, he traveled to the regional capital of Ephesus. And that's where Paul had based his ministry. And under there, this young man, he became a Christian. Paul shared the gospel. God answered his prayers and opened a door with Epaphras and gave Paul the words to say. And Epaphras became a Christian. And then he traveled back to a city where there were no Christians and no church. And I'm sure he was devoted in prayer and watchful and thankful. And he also prayed for an open door and clear words. And guess what? He seeded the clouds. He seeded the clouds. And not only was there a rainfall, there was a deluge because the church at Colossae was born and two neighbouring towns. Now, Epaphras, after that ministry started, he went back to join Paul. Now, Paul, by this stage, is in prison. And so Epaphras has been a support for him. And so Paul wants to send uh, Epaphras's greeting to the church at Colossae because they know him so well. But notice what he says about uh, this wonderful example in prayer from verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. 
He is also, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you for all those at Laodicea and Heropolis. And so here's this short case study. This time the focus is not on evangelism. This time uh, the focus is on spiritual growth. Epaphras is not praying for people who have no faith to have faith. He's praying for those people that have a faith, that faith may be deeper, that they may stand firm, that they may know God's will, that they may be fully mature and absolutely assured of their salvation. And so what we see here is Epaphras applying those qualities of prayer, and especially in the area of devotion. And Paul makes his point in two ways. First of all, Epaphras wrestles in prayer. He seeds the cloud. He's imagining his friends and his family in Colossae being built up in faith. And so he prays, he wrestles in prayer. He's persistent in prayer. He's thankful in prayer. He is watchful in prayer. And then Paul says not only is he wrestling in prayer, but he's working hard. He's working hard. Now, that can mean many things, but in in this context, it surely means he's working hard in prayer, praying for the Colossians that they will be built up in their faith. Now, you may be thinking, this is all well and good (laughs) if you happen to be Elijah or Epaphras or even Paul. And that idea of seeding the clouds might appeal to you, but you may be thinking, my prayer life is a million miles away from any of this. I've tried so many times and just got next to nowhere. For most of us are like the English poet John Donne. I love this quote, and he wrote this. I neglect God and angels for the noise of a fly. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> I've done it. I, I, I guarantee that everyone here has done it. We've settled ourselves down for prayer. And then there's this buzz. And it's just driving us mad. And it's either the buzz of a fly, fly or nowadays it's the buzz of our mobile phones, isn't it? <laughs> oh, goodness me. He said it so well. You combine this with this next quote, and I think you describe most of the people in this room, apart from the odd saint that's among us, I'm sure. This is a really interesting quote from Blaise Pascal, a wonderful French philosopher, mathematician, and wonderful Christian. The sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. You think about that. It's true, isn't it? The sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. So if you combine a buzzing fly and our ability to be easily distracted with Blaise Pastel's quote that says, we want to be distracted. (laughs) The thought of spending time with ourselves in a quiet room is a bit of a worry for for many of us, unless you happen to be an introvert, maybe. Introvert who loved that time alone. But anyway, I just love those two quotes because I can put my hand up for both of those when it comes to prayer. And so, what's the answer? How can we move from being distracted in prayer to be devoted in prayer? How can we move from the buzzing fly, which just addles our thinking, to being watchful in prayer, or the buzz of our mobile phone, move from that to being thankful in prayer? Well, in the few short minutes I have left, there's no way I can explore that topic in all its fullness, which is why I recommend the uh, seminar, the prayer seminar that we will be running uh, in Term 1 before Easter, 
because it's a good chance over a number of weeks to explore prayer and develop some skills and, and try some new things out. Uh, but I'll give you some, three tips to encourage those that are praying and to kickstart some of the, us who have let prayer slip. So what are three encouragements that we can take away for us for this new year? Well, the first thing is to know yourself. Are you a morning person or an evening person? Give your best time for prayer. Some of us are morning people. And so it's my practice to get up and first thing in the morning to have that devotional time. It's a practice, it's a habit. Some people I know are night owls. And so maybe for you, maybe later in the evening is the best time for prayer. But don't give God your second, third or fourth best. Don't give him the scraps of the day. Give him the best of the day. Know yourself. Do you pray better in absolute quiet or do you the sort of person who likes a bit of background music? either Christian music or, or classical music. Know yourself. Do you feel closer to God inside in a quiet room or in the garden? Know yourself. Try writing your prayers out. Even if you're not very good at putting thoughts into words, it's amazing what it is to write out a prayer and then to quietly read it. Prayer journaling. It doesn't have to be long. It makes a huge difference and helps focus the mind. Know yourself. Second thing we can do in prayer is develop a pattern. Now, habits are wonderful things. If they're good, if they're good habits, <laughs> if, they're not, if they're bad habits, of course, that's the opposite. But good habits. Good habits free up the mind, the body, and the emotions to accomplish a goal. So you get into a habit. Uh, same time each day, if you can. I'm thinking of shift workers and, and those with very young children. Sometimes same time is not practical. But where it can, same time. Same place each day. Maybe a routine of making yourself a herbal tea or something a little bit stronger, something with caffeine in, get into that habit so that smell, you'll, you'll find after a month or two that smell will actually help you pray. Be, wouldn't that be lovely if every time someone smelled caffeine they prayed? Oh, we'd have revival <laughs> in New Zealand, wouldn't we? But you know what I mean. Find a pattern. You know, and, then, and in that time, whether it's 20 minutes, a half an hour, or three quarters of an hour, have a bit of a routine because it frees up. You don't have to waste energy thinking, what am I going to do next? You know, well, I'm, I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark in my quiet times this month. So you just get down, you read a couple of chapters, and then you think, well, I have a routine. And you work out the routine, and we'll explore that later on. But develop a pattern. Don't forget to pray for others and yourselves. Be devotional, watchful and thankful and spend time worshipping and adoring the living God. Because this brings us to the final thing, the final encouragement today is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, what's the main thing when it comes to prayer? Well, when it comes to the word devotion, I have been using it in the context of commitment, perseverance and staying on the course. But of course, devotion has a much deeper meaning than just that. For we are devoted to a person and not a process. Okay? We are devoted to a person and not a process. What I've been talking about now is a process, and that's really helpful if it leads you to connect with Jesus the person. Our devotion is to Christ himself, and it's my prayer that not only myself, but everybody listening will experience the presence of Jesus in a really special way this year. However you experience Jesus, whether it's at a distance or close, I pray that it will be more real and more live and more invigorating for you, 
Because that's the main thing. <laughs> We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And in the busyness of church life, the busyness of family life, life uh, business, uh, COVID, we drop the ball when it comes to the main thing. Often we're more interested in the prayer than the person. We often miss the boat because we have a need, we have a dream. We have a hardship or we have a hope, and so we pray. We see the clouds, and that's wonderful. It's exciting. In our prayer life, we imagine a better future and pray God's blessing. But, but we can be so mercenary in our prayers. Now, what do I mean by mercenary? We're interested in the answer to our prayers and not the person who gives us the answer. We become more interested in getting that, that blessing for our family or for ourselves and less interested in the one that gives us the blessing which is Jesus himself. Oh, that we may be lost in the beauty and the wonder and the marvellous of Christ every time we quieten ourselves to pray. You see, and this is the motivation that will chase away every distracting fly and every buzz of our mobile phone as we quieten ourselves in a room. For the basis of every prayer should come as a cry from our heart with words something like this. No matter what we pray, our foundation should be, Heavenly Father, make Jesus more beautiful to me in every way. Jesus, captivate every affection of my heart. Holy Spirit, empower me to pray with devotion, watchfulness, and thankfulness. Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> I'm hopeless at it. Help me to pray. Help me to adore until I am lost in wonder in the presence of Jesus. This is how we grow in prayer. This is how we make a difference. And this is how we seed the clouds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm sure I can speak for, for everyone listening when we say um, we're hopeless at prayer. <laughs> oh, Lord, we get it right sometimes, but oh, to be consistently close to you, be consistently seeking your face. And so, Lord, we pray, we pray that as this new year unfolds, you will stir up us a desire to pray, that we will catch glimpses of the beauty of Jesus as we pray, as we read your God's word, just as we're out in the creation, as we enjoy our family. And may that uh, sense of Jesus' presence grow in this year so that we can look back and praise you for the blessings that have come. Teach us to see the clouds, Lord, to look for a better future that is Christ-centered and Christ-honoring. And may we have exciting testimonies to share with each other and with those, Lord, that we share Christ with. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.